0: A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone.
1: Welcome to Transformative Experts. I'm Chris Elias. I'm your host today. And i uh, got a fun show for you today. Actually, I actually have a long-term friend of mine um, who is, I, I think, the epitome of what an entrepreneur, sh- uh, entrepreneur should look like. Uh, someone who's had a lot of success and has uh, marched to his own beat. Uh, welcome, please, Tori Miller. Good morning, Tori. How are you? Good morning, Christopher. How are you? Great. Okay. Well, so nobody listening to my show has any idea who you are. Well, actually, maybe, maybe there's a customer of yours or two, but um, give us a little bit of a history.
2: Well, I assume that means that none of your friends or my friends listen to this show. That's interesting. That gives us the opportunity to speak
1: really freely. That it does.
2: So, I am, historically, I would tell you that I am a Northern Michigan boy by trade. I I grew up in Northern Michigan, went to uh, a Class C public school, um, had a reasonably decent career there, had a lot of fun, Uh, had the opportunity to go to Albion College, which is uh, a really small, highly thought of um, private four-year college where I happened to meet uh, you. And then I proceeded Out of college, into a career in the insurance industry, of all things, which was uh, not what you would think uh, a guy with a business and economics degree with a concentration in professional management would do, but I did. I became what was called a large loss property adjuster and a fraud investigator for insurance companies. And it took me all over the United States. Um, I did uh, a bunch of hurricane and tornado work and stuff like that, which uh, was super interesting and kept me footloose and fancy free for, for a long time. And, uh, found myself kind of constrained in, uh, in a fortune 100 company turns out that I do not do well in a six by six cubicle. I will, I will tend to act up and act out. And, and, uh, I, I have been labeled a difficult employee because I was harder on upward, upward management than I was on the people that worked for me or with me. And, uh, wasn't wasn't long after that that uh, it was kind of explained to me that probably I should try to I should either try small business or I should probably try starting my own business because working for other people probably wasn't my strong suit. <laughs>
1: You, your your future was freed up as uh <laughs> as we would have said in our world right
2: that was uh my uh suddenly i find found myself uh the master of my own ship even if it was nothing more than a rubber dinghy at that point but uh but i was set on my own and uh Offered the opportunity to not work for a large company. We'll put it that way. How about that for something fancy? Yeah. Well, so for uh,
1: for those of us who who knew you, I mean, I I think for many of us, it was it was almost a shock that you would go work for anybody. I mean, you've always had this um, you've always had this kind of free spirit. I'm going to do it my way, kind of being, and and that doesn't fit the mold of large corporations. It doesn't, and it's it's one of the things that um
2: it's one of the greatest mistakes that I think some employees make Chris it, it, and it's, it's a, it's a mistake we make to ourselves and it is that we don't give ourselves the opportunity to, to be who we really ought to be. And, uh, and we, we trade off some comforts or, or we trade off some, some forms of security for a, a perceived insecurity that we, that we think we have. Yeah. In, other, in other words, we might not have the, uh, in, on a personal basis, we might think we have the uh, cojones to do something. But professionally or, or on, a, on a larger level, we're a little fearful to take that step. And uh, and I was for a long time. I was, a, I was afraid to do it. I had a, a nice, safe, secure job. I, and I, frankly, I sold myself short.
1: Well, and uh, actually, a lot of people suffer from that sort of thing. Now, look, okay, look, there are many, many people – Thank goodness for them, right? There are many, many people who who love the concept of working in a big corporation in a place where their life can be guided and their comfort and they'll be happy with that. Um, yet there are many, many more of us. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story. So for instance, um, well, I remember when I first left big boy to start my own thing, it was, it was kind of like, like, oh my gosh, my whole life freed up. My whole future freed up in front of me. And I had friends come to me and say, how could you walk away from that? How could you walk away from that big salary? How, how could you do this? I could never do something like that. And I've even had people come to me looking for coaching and and they want to do something different. And as I start talking to them about starting their own thing, they're like, well, I, I could never do that. I could never give up our comforts. I could never do this. And it's just sad. These people go through life sometimes and um, and they're not happy with what they're doing, but they don't have the, um, I don't know whether it's the courage or or they're, they're just afraid to get out of the comfort zone and they won't get there. Now, for those, again, who love being in the big corporation, beautiful, we need those people, um, but but- you know, for those who who really don't like it and it's just a job and would rather have their freedom, it's sad that that they can't they can't find a way to take that leap. I think I would use
2: the word fortitude if if that makes sense. Sure. And and I, I think it also has a great deal to do with um, self awareness, yes. maybe because yes. because. I absolutely agree with you. Um, there's a guy that's on our team, and uh, he is wonderful at what he does. He he is truly an expert of his craft, and uh, and and one of our customers calls him uh, calls him Pip, and and Pip we just coined the term perfect in position and, and, and what that means is, is this team member of ours is super good with equipment. He is super good in the field. He is super good at his craft, but if I tried to make him an accountant or a customer service representative or, or, put him in a position where he was outside of his box. I can, I can push on his box, but I can't make him be something outside of his box because he, he, he's uncomfortable. He loses his confidence. He loses his confidence in the company. And, and, and that is not a definition. That is not the cocktail that makes success. That is, there is no definition of success in there.
1: So, yeah, so, um, you know, we often say that C players and organizations, you don't want any C players. And one of the ways that we turn people into C players is we take them so far out of their comfort zone. They perform really well in one area, and either you promote them too far, change your responsibilities, do other things, and, and you've ruined them. It's really interesting. But, you know, I actually I want to come back. So, um, you know, we're already starting to talk about your organization, but... We don't even know what your organization is, right? Well, I, I know what it is. So, so wait, wait. Let's come back around and let's let's talk about let's talk about what you're doing today. But I also want to talk a little bit about your path to getting here. So, 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 tell our listeners, you know, just a couple minutes on on your current company and business, and then then tell us about your path to getting to this point. Because entrepreneurs are not just successful the first moment they start. No, sir. Some are,
2: and and I am not that guy. But uh, so I am at the helm of a company that is called Time to Accomplish Incorporated. And that doesn't tell anybody a thing about what we do. Our trade name is Diesel Fuel Doctor. And we are what is called a fuel maintenance company. And That stops everybody in their tracks. They're like, what? Fuel maintenance has to do with removing water and removing particulate matter and microbial growth and a bunch of yuck from diesel fuel tanks so that a diesel engine performs, I'll say, optimally. And that could be a generator in a hospital or an assisted living facility. It could be, um, a ship, or a yacht, or mining equipment, or construction equipment, or semis on the road, or it could be underground storage tanks at a, at a service station, there's uh, a multitude of places where um, emergency standby power or prime power is provided by consuming diesel fuel. The more efficiently we burn fuel, The better the engines run, the less pollution there is in the air. And and those are issues that are first and foremost in the mind of
1: Diesel Fuel Doctor and our company. So where did this idea come from?
2: Well, as I was an insurance guy, I had the occasion on a Saturday to respond to an emergency loss because um, a, a crane had blown a bunch of hydraulic fluid and it actually dropped the roof of a high school on a brand new high school. And that is the definition of a large property loss. It also involved an environmental pollution cleanup claim that involved me having to go to this cleanup company. While I was there, I saw this crazy cockeyed looking piece of equipment looked like something you should bolt to the top of the DeLorean and drive 88 miles an hour and go somewhere in time. Um, The guy that had the piece of equipment, you know, I'm like, what is that crazy thing? he said, that's a fuel polisher. I go, what's it do? And my introduction to fuel polishing or fuel maintenance was a guy going, well, all the dirty fuel comes in here. And then he, did kind of the wax on, wax off thing with his hands. He said, something happens and it comes out clean. Hmm. And I thought, bull crap. Won't tell you exact, you can guess what I actually said, but I'll go with that. And uh, I spent the next three months of my life trying to disprove this concept. I found out there's some really solid physics behind it. And I found out that there's, There were, this guy had a solution to a problem that nobody knew they had. And nobody had a way to tell people or to show people that they might have this problem. And that it was a bigger problem than anybody thought. And certainly nobody knew that there was an answer to a problem that they didn't know they had. So I just picked the ball up and I I said, look at this. I've stumbled across a concept that is a solution for a multitude of problems that people don't even know they had. And, uh, I can figure out how to fix it and I can either in in the process of fixing it, I can figure out how to monetize it.
1: Yeah. So you found, you found kind of a, you found it, you found a niche, you found a, uh, a, a, a underserved or unserved market and an idea that can solve a problem for a lot of people.
2: And, and in the process, I didn't, I didn't create the industry. There, there are people that went before me in this. I didn't create the industry, but, but Chris, I spend more time growing an industry and then expanding a company to fit inside the walls of the, of the industry Kind of so I can marginalize the effectiveness of of the competition that we've created, because we've shown people how to do it. and uh, and then we grow the company. yeah, and and we go from there. i And I did this. you said, how'd I get here? I did this um, after having started two um, insurance restoration construction companies one, I started and sold for a nice little pot of money and that worked great. And the the second one I took on a partner and, uh, I'll simply say that didn't work really well. And, uh, and I went down in a ball of fire in that one. And,
1: uh, yeah, well, it's been, it's been known to happen. In
2: retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it happened. And then, uh, I worked with a, uh, a water damage restoration company, all the, you know, and this is all still floating around the insurance industry because yeah. that's all I thought I knew. And then I, uh, I bailed out and I started something entirely different and I never looked back.
1: Yeah. And so like, like a lot of successful entrepreneurs, it's I think it's rare. I mean, I don't I don't know if there's any statistic or anything that's out there, but I, I think it's rare that entrepreneurs have great success on their first try at anything. I mean, I, I think that they all have track records of failure or sometimes multiple failures. And so, you know, we, we have to take a quick break here. But when we come back, I want to explore that one a little bit deeper with you, Tori. I wanna to, wanna to understand, you know, a little bit more about that path and 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 you know, what was it that drove you and 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 why you didn't give up and just say, you know what, I need to go back to a corporation. I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to suck it up and work for somebody else until I get my gold watch and retire. So uh, we'll come back in just a minute. Um, Folks, stay tuned. We'll be back with Tori right after this break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit NexecuteGroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com.
2: Comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Tori Miller. Tori,
1: um, so just before we went to the break, we, we were talking a little bit about getting to where you are today, and the fortitude uh, was the word you used earlier of somebody who's an entrepreneur and sticking with things even through difficult times, and you shared that you had had a few false starts and failures, and certainly working in the corporate world wasn't your thing, uh, You know, but but you touched on something interesting that I'd like to explore a little bit deeper. You mentioned about you know one of yours was a, was a failed partnership, and that is also a very common story. Um, that entrepreneurs, they, they partner with people for different, different reasons. Sometimes they're friends, and they just decide to do something together. Sometimes it's more of a financial arrangement or anything, and it doesn't work out. And you've had that experience. I've had that experience. I've had partners that haven't worked out in the past. And, um, and it's just, it, it does happen for a lot of reasons, but I'd like to explore a little bit deeper. Um, you know, what was it that, you, that, from your standpoint, what caused the breakdown between you and, and this other partner? What made that business not work?
2: It certainly looked good on paper, and uh, I had for 18 years. I, I, you know, I had some good knowledge in the in the insurance industry, and uh, was well connected and had a had a reasonably good reputation. And when you're an insurance adjuster, having a reasonably good ex- reputation is kind of a funny thing to say, but um, I did. And there was a startup company, and startups are very attractive to me. that That is something that is interesting to my personality. And uh, uh, it was uh, it was well backed financially. But they didn't have any sales capabilities whatsoever. They were you know reasonably good contractor, well backed by a by a financial company, uh, but they couldn't sell so they said, you know would you help?" and I'm like, yes, absolutely my pleasure and and we had an agreement we had a contract in place and the whole thing and uh, uh, I went about my my business of of selling things and what I found was I could sell much more work than they were actually really interested in doing. So so it wasn't a, a function of them being very interested in seeing if they could really build an, a good company. They were interested in seeing if they could, you know make enough money to live comfortably and, and things like that. And, yeah. and, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to build an empire or anything like that. I wasn't, but I was trying to do the best I could do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say, uh, I guess if I had to try and put it in a sentence, I would say that there was a difference in vision, even though contractually we agreed that we were all good good pieces together, I would say, um, corporately we were not a good fit for each other. We, uh, we got along fine. There wasn't a personality conflict, uh, of the individuals involved, but from a corporate standpoint, um, we were not a good corporate fit. And, and because we had different visions, it just, it just came apart. Yeah. And, and then it got sticky legally and, and, uh, always do. It was just, and it was just better. You know what? It was better to just, um, it was better to bow out gracefully than to, uh, to fight the issue and blow the whole thing up. It was, um, it wasn't worth it to me to become that person to blow the thing up so i i shook hands and i withdrew and i went on my way because i'm i'm more interested in trying to do the next right thing than i am interested in trying to find the next dollar and there's an asterisk that comes with right. that and we'll talk about that in a bit
1: Right. So, you know, keep your vision forward as opposed to backward, right? I often say, you know, learn from your past, grow from your past, but you can't let your past dictate where you go in the future. And, you know, we've talked in other shows and other episodes, um, the importance of core values, core values fit when you build an organization, having the right people in your organization, getting the wrong people out of your organization. But, but the basis of culture and the basis of all that is about core values alignment. And, um, and in that context, you know, it's it's really important, you know, I try to tell people all the time, you know, when we talk about somebody who's not a good fit from a core value standpoint or not a, not a aligned to our purpose or not aligned to our vision, those kind of things, we're not making a judgment on the person. Right? It's not whether or not they're a good or bad person. It's whether or not they're a good or bad fit. And so your, your commentary on fit, I think, is really, really important. I don't know if, um, if, if entrepreneurs in their early stage of their business spend enough time analyzing that part of it. I think everybody gets so excited about the opportunity, the business, the product, but they don't spend the time... Talking about the relationship and what we're really trying to get out of this as partners, and I think when they don't do that, there's an opportunity for some disaster.
2: So what I learned from, I guess I'd never really thought of. You know, I, I talk about things in terms of the the school of hard knocks. I wouldn't have thought about it being a false start or something like that. But it, but perhaps that's a really good way to look at it. Um, Diesel fuel doctor has the most cockeyed hiring process you could ever imagine i want to meet you i want to meet your uh your significant other your wife i happen to know but um i want to know what makes you tick i want to i want buy-in from your family i want I want to meet your kids. I want to meet your dog. I want to, you know, I just, and I'll pay you for your time while I'm figuring all this out. The The result of that, Chris, is that in, in 16 years now, diesel fuel doctor, which has 45 employees and or independent contractors working, you know, kind of in, in one big, happy, mildly dysfunctional family, um, we have had 0.0%
1: turnover. Okay, wait, 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 Every, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Plainly put,
2: everybody I have ever hired in diesel fuel, doctor, is still with me.
1: And this doesn't mean that their work is perfect, but it does mean they're a good fit.
2: A hundred percent correct. Yeah. And and the reason, Chris, part of that is, and, and we talk in detail in, in this cockeyed hiring process, we talk in detail about the fact that, and again, we spend as much time building an industry and then fitting the company into it, right? Yeah. But we, we spend... A great deal of time talking about the fact that this is a talented individual this is a person that has talents that may not one hundred percent be what diesel fuel doctor was looking for, but in a relatively small company, we have the ability to morph the company around the individual to make both stronger.
1: Well, okay. So, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, I, I, get it. You're um, wrapping your company around as a relatively small company. You've used that term a couple of times, but you know, it's, it's funny. We kind of preach the same thing at bigger companies, maybe with a slightly different twist. So I, I, I love that you say it's cockeyed. It, it actually, from my standpoint, it's almost the right way to do it. Right. Because you know that if you think of a typical hiring process You know, okay. What do companies do? They 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 create a job description, and then they start a they start a search, and they get all these resumes, and all these resumes all tell a story as to why the person should work there, because that's what resumes do. And then they start they pick a couple they like, and they they start the interview process, and they spend all their time trying to validate the information on the resume, and then they pick the one they like the most, and then they kind of hope they're successful. And if you look at the statistics from Sherm, sure, only one in three hires is, um, is considered successful a year to two years out from hire date. And successful meaning they're getting out of the job what they expected to, and sometimes they don't survive it, sometimes they leave, all those kinds of other things. We have preached to clients, and, and even in my public speaking, to turn the process upside down. The resume might get you in the door, but at that point, give up on the resume. Spend all your time getting to know the person. Use behavioral interviewing, which what you just described is a form of behavioral interviewing. Go to their house, find out about their family, whatever. Find out who the person is and try to, Determine are they a good fit for the organization? And we've we've preached this for so long and, and we get all these looks and, and people don't follow the process, but we tell the story all the time that you will reduce your turnover if you do this. Find the people with the right core values. Find the people with the right passion. And when you find those people, it doesn't matter what their skills are. Find a position for them in your company because the ones who aren't aligned aren't going to take you forward. And here you are, you're telling a story that, that proves this works. Well, and, and I'll boil it down to to one word for you, care,
2: just care. This isn't, Diesel Field Doctors in particular is not an eight to five company. You know, sometimes I need you all the time. I'm going to put you on the road for a week. And, and sometimes there's nothing to do. And so go mow your lawn. It's Tuesday. I don't know. It's Tuesday at two o'clock in the afternoon. Go mow your lawn. I don't care. You know, when I need you, I need you. When I don't need you, keep your phone in your pocket kind of thing. But, but to a man and woman, everyone in our company knows that without fail, they know that, that the company cares about them. And corporately, what that means is that they care about each other. And in return, they care about the success of the company because the success of the company then breeds further success for them. So you have, and and for your audience, you and I have known each other for a long time, but, but Chris, I'm going to tell you, there's so many times that I'm out here in, as a team, we're out here so busy, just trying to hammer four things together and make a new thing that works better than it ever worked before that. And and I would dare say that this is true about the entrepreneurial spirit is that we don't always necessarily see what we're doing. We're just trying to get it right. And, and, and that very often does not have a great deal of structure wrapped around it. and, and to to be an entrepreneur you you've, you've got to be as comfortable or or perhaps more comfortable you know like half a step ahead of chaos than 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 with a highly refined uh, corporate hierarchy or or something of that matter because because that corporate fit and and, and the a, a caring spirit is uh, well is I, how you retain that's how you retain your people
1: yeah and and I appreciate the comparison and obviously given given your experience you know in corporations in very very large corporations that's true but but the truth is 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 there's nothing that stops a corporation from caring about their people yeah some of them are stuck in older 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 models, and yet this is still the foundation of great cultures. And I can I can share examples of really large organizations that do just what you do. Um, There's there's a whole philosophical change about you know okay. So if we keep in kind of the corporate context, you know, what are you paying for when you pay when you pay for an employee? If you're paying for hours, you know, hours worked, that's not going to be the basis. I don't think of a strong culture. But when you really take a look at partnering with somebody and, the, and you're investing in them and there's a return on that investment and it, it's valuable for both, I think it does change how, how people think about this. And, and I do think that um, millennials today in particular, I don't typically like um, labeling a group, but they're driving more and more of the need for that shift of thinking than, than any group has for a long time. You know, I, I love your point on care. I, th- I think you have to. And, and it's, you, you know, I know a lot of small entrepreneurial companies that just don't do that also, and they wonder why they can't get off ground or why they can't keep and retain people. But you're you're giving a formula that says this is how you do it.
2: Well, it's uh, it sets the game on on the ear, right? Yeah. But if you want, but if you want to be more successful or you want to do something different, which is part of the entrepreneurial spirit, um, you got to disrupt an industry. You you have to be some sort of of disruptor. You have to see things differently. If you you know you know the old saying you know if you want to do if you want the the same output that everybody else has, put the same inputs in. You know you can do things exactly the same way everybody else does by doing them exactly the same way. But if you want to do something wildly different with your life, or you want to take command of, of your own world, then you can't do it by doing what everybody else is doing. If everybody else is working for somebody else or is, is uh, status quo, yes. interrupt the status quo, no matter what you do. And, and, uh, and I would dare say in a lot of the times, one of the things that, uh, that, begins that is, is how you design a corporation. Sure. And I would, I would dare say what you and I learned in college about how a corporation and what a hierarchy looks like in a corporate pyramid is exactly 180 degrees backwards. It, it should is. actually be a corporate pit. Yes. If that makes sense.
1: It does. It does. So, um, so I've got to pa- pause the conversation for a minute. We're up on our next break. Um, so we'll take it, but when we come back, I want to keep exploring this, this piece of disruption and what it actually looks like, because I, I, this is a really interesting way of thinking about things. And and I want us to explore this path further. So everyone again, stay tuned. We'll be back with Tori Miller in just a couple minutes.
2: America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home,
1: go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn.
0: Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better, grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit NexecuteGroup.com. That's N E X E C U T E group.com. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
0: Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And
1: we're back one last time with Tori Miller. Tori, uh, you know, before we went to the break, you used a word that comes up every once in a while—that word disruption. Uh, I, you know, I think you described a little bit of, of of one form of disruption you've employed, and that's really how you hire and and build your employee base. And let's let's face it, having the right team is is essential for success. If you've eliminated turnover, you've eliminated a lot of cost, which gives you opportunity to do other things. But but, you know, I, I've known you forever. You, you're, you try to disrupt everything all the time. It's probably why you didn't make it in the, in the corporate environment, right? I mean, uh, e- even with the name The Maverick. So uh, for those of you who don't know, that was uh, Tori's nickname uh, for, for many, many years. I think it spoke very, very well to a personality that is just always um, always pushing always trying to push the envelope a little bit or do something different. So share some ways, um, share some of the ways that that, that you approach disruption and, and what are you actually doing to these poor people who are trying to compete with you? If there are any.
2: Um, that's, uh, there's a lot of places we can go with that, Chris. Um, well, let, let,
1: let's say, let's keep it G rated as much as possible.
2: <laughs> okay. We'll do that to start. First things first. Um, to be a maverick is not necessarily although it 's often thought of as being a, a contrarian i 'm not necessarily that I ask a lot of questions and I ask some questions sometimes that that uh, make make people and, and, and people could be a corporation i um, I've asked questions that make corporations uncomfortable. And it's, it's not that I'm trying to make them uncomfortable. I just want to know. I need to understand their expectations. I need to, to know if I can help them or not. And if my team can, you know, and, th- and that works up or down, right? Like if I'm the, the narrow spot in the hourglass, if I'm asking questions into the corporation, and somebody's uncomfortable, I don't. It's not. It's not about making them uncomfortable. I'm not trying to be contrary. I need to know because if I know what's going right, and more importantly, if I know what's going wrong from their perspective, not from my perspective. I know what's going right, what's going wrong from my perspective. But what, if, what about the people that are in my company? What's going What's going right? What's going wrong? You know, do you have access? Do we have um, we are a highly decentralized company. We, we got people scattered to the wind, Chris. And, and one of the things we have to have is a very high level of, of communication. Um, so we're not siloed. You know, you're, you're not just over there creating your own fiefdom and I'm over here creating my fiefdom. It's not that, we all have to work together. Um, so within Diesel Fuel Doctor, We, we let people work autonomously. Um, And one of the things that we say when we're together and I tell people this all the time, I'm like, you are a grown man. You are a grown woman. You are paid. Like you're a grown man. You are paid. Like you're a grown woman. I expect you to behave like that. And when you empower people that way, I would say that that is a, a disruption within the company, Chris. There's not everybody in our everybody in our company has a business card, and there's not a title one on any of them. People people often don't know that it's mine, nor do they care,
1: right? They really so, don't. They just want to know that the work can get done their best possible way.
2: Absolutely. It's all it's all about customer satisfaction. And, and it's about the removal of ego from a corporation. So if I lead with humility, then humility is transferred throughout the company and we are of good service or of good value to our customers. And, and it's not about the almighty dollar. And that's kind of a disruptor too, right? It's, it's about providing exceptional service. And when we do that, we have the opportunity to provide even more service. The reward for, the reward for good work is more work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the ways, you know, we're not the low cost provider. We never have been, you know, I, I believe you get what you pay for. So there are, there is competition out there that that can do a job cheaper than we can, but you're going to get a cheaper job. We are, we are. We try very hard to be exceptional value. Do we screw it up every now and then? Absolutely, and it just gives me a rash.
1: When, so when, when you say screwed up, what, what, do you, what do you mean screwed up? You don't screw up your work, or do you screw up your work?
2: Uh, I'd love to tell you that I'd love to tell you that we were 100% perfect all the time. But once in a while, something goes sideways. But when it does, the customer calls up and says, "This didn't work out the way we thought." We're like, "All right, well." then here we come. We're going to come back and fix it. And they're like, what? Well, yeah, you paid us, you paid us to have this quality of fuel when, when we leave and we missed. So we're going to come back and fix it for you. Sure. Well, what's that going to cost? It's not going to cost a thing. That's what you paid us for in the first place. Right? So so that level of customer service, again, you know, to to keep winding back to yeah. to how do how do we disrupt things? How do we how do we create a company that's different? And then how do we create a service level that's different? Um, we do that, and and there's been times we happen to be based in Michigan. Yeah, there's times where I don't know we're working for a data center in Iowa or something, and and they're like you missed. I'm like oh, see you Tuesday.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, what yeah.
1: you know so what so we, you're what you're describing um you're describing what we would call a purpose-driven company right and and it's funny some sometimes people get it and sometimes they don't but purpose is is really why do you exist beyond making money i mean that's that's the test you know if we're if we're really isolated really understand what our true purpose is the money comes because once you're executing on purpose, it's attractive to others. It's, it's, it, 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 People feel fulfilled at a whole different level. I can remember once I I, I was pushing this question about being purpose driven with a with a group that was investor driven, and I kept asking that question. You know, what is it beyond making money? And they're like, No, 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 no. Our purpose is to make money. No, 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 no. Our purpose is to make money. And then they sit and complain, Well, we can't keep people. We we can't keep customers. We can't keep this. We can't keep that. We're not hitting numbers and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, Okay, you wait, you want to hire us to come in and fix all this stuff from you, but your only purpose is to make money and everybody in the world knows it and you don't understand why nobody wants to work with you. It's it's a really interesting different twist, and you know, well, it's no fun. No, and, and and what you're describing is is being purpose driven. I mean, whether it's the quality of your work or whatever, and that comes out, and that creates loyalty and a lot of other things.
2: Well, and and I would dare, say, and I keep saying I would dare say it. it's because I, quite honestly, I dare to say it. That's that's why I use that term. Is um, I'm not. I'm not looking for a customer vendor relationship. I mean that that's uh that's a transactional business. And and it I don't want that. I I want relationships. I want our I want our customers to know who we are. I want them to know why we are what we are. And it's because of our mission statement. And, and if we start with why, you know, if, if we start with why we do things and then we back into the fact that, yeah, you know, we're going to clean your fuel. Well, what we're going to do is keep is, uh, minimize your downtime. We're, you know, we're going to reduce your failure rate. We're going to do those things and we can do it by maintaining your fuel quality. That's start with why, how do you do it? And what do you do? Yeah. But, um, but those things, are, those things are radically different than a guy that says, hey, do you need a fuel polisher? You need your tank cleaned? Well, how about do you need to have zero downtime? How about if, you're, if your semi works all the time and your fuel economy is better? Would that be helpful to your company? Let's start with that. And then we'll get to the fact that what we're really going to do is clean your tanks. You know, so, so we do things backwards and, uh, well, and and again, that's part of that disruption thing. And I, I apologize for interrupting, but, but when you're building something backwards and you can make it run faster and jump higher and, and go better than, than, than your competition, you, you have changed the game and, and that's what we really enjoy. That's one of the things diesel fuel doctor really good at.
1: Well, and you're, you're very clear on what your value is and what you generate, which, you know, that's, that's a differentiator. And this is again, a thing that I don't, I don't know that entrepreneurs ever or always figure that out. The successful ones do, but I, I, I don't know if everybody does. And I think that that's sometimes why some of these things don't, don't work. You know, um, Let's um let's change gears just a little bit. So I mean we've been covering a lot of areas, and um you know I'm glad that you shared you know what what sometimes a failure looks like. I, I'd love to hear some some success stories. Or you know what you know, here we are. We're kind of having this more serious conversation, but we we don't always have serious conversations. Uh, what's one of the funniest things that's ever happened to you out in the field? <laughs> um, so.
2: About the time that the, the fuel prices went through the roof, six, six, eight years ago, something like that, you know, gasoline goes to $4 a gallon, $5 in California, diesel fuel is going through the roof. Um, I got a call from one of the offshore drilling rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. And these crazy things, it's a boat, right? It's a drilling rig, but but for all practical intent and purpose, it's a boat. And uh, it's a boat that that drops a straw, if you will imagine that, a mile through the water, through 5,000 feet of water, and then it drills a hole in the ground and it sucks oil out of the ground. But the boat has to have station-keeping capabilities. So when the hurricanes come and the wind blows and the waves come and stuff like that, This thing's got to be able to kind of stay in position. It can't be floating all over the place. So it's got this particular one had five 20-cylinder Caterpillar engines in it. And and proud of them. The great motors, the whole thing. The boat also has 980,000 gallons of fuel on board. The
1: fuel prices that's on top of what they're pumping out
2: <clears throat> yeah no this is just to run the thing Wow so this is not this is now what they're pumping down into the freighters this is the fuel that they keep on board to keep the generators going and uh, yeah. and to keep the keep the drilling rig fairly stationary in the water so the price of fuel goes through the roof it the the thing's been sitting out there for years and somebody decides to run the fuel in the tanks that they haven't run the fuel out of in years. And and the fuel quality was horrific. They had no idea. Somebody just threw the big red switch and they ran the fuel.
1: So just, just sorry for the stupid question, but was the fu- in a situation like that, was the fuel quality bad to begin with or does, does the fuel degrade over time?
2: Fuel degrades over time.
1: Okay, thanks for that. And
2: yeah, and it, it just I don't know if you if you or your audience would have a weed whacker or a hot rod or an old snowmobile or, or something they use seasonably that the gasoline has uh, messed up a carburetor. Sure. Fuel fuel just goes bad over time. Sure. So diesel fuel does the same thing in a little different aspect, but same same concept. So anyway, these guys throw this throw the valve and twenty cylinder caterpillars have five of them have a hundred fuel injectors. Well, the fuel quality was so bad that in 90 seconds they, they blew the injectors out of all the engines. Oh my gosh. So, and that's about um, roughly don't hold me to it. Caterpillar, if you're listening, I'm not saying anything bad. It wasn't you, Um, but it's about 1800 bucks a pop for an injector. So in 90 seconds, 1800 times 100, you can you can get it. So they decided they probably ought to do something about their fuel quality. They called, I get on an airplane, I get on a boat, I get on a helicopter, and now I'm standing on uh, uh, this drilling rig. The chief engineer on the drilling rig is everything you want a wildcat oil man to be. He looked like Grizzly Adams, only about 1 and 1 8 size I mean I could not get my when I shook the guy's hand I couldn't get my hand around the palm of his hand and yeah. he was from Louisiana so he had that accident and I'm standing in the middle of Gulf Mexico I haven't been there three minutes and I said to the guy I said that must have been something when those diesel engines ran away on you and he spun around and he came at me and I'm 6'1", 200 pounds. And this guy is remarkably bigger than me. He spins around and he goes, boy, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going over the side. No one knows I'm here. I'm shark food. <laughs> <laughs> I am shark food. I, Cause he's coming right at me and he goes, boy, he goes, diesel engines over rev. Engineers run away. Both happened. <laughs> and, but to be standing on something that's, you know, 75 yards by 75 yards and 150 feet in the air. And I'm like, this guy could have just swatted me like a ping pong ball right off the side of the boat. And, I, and it turned out to be a wonderful relationship. But, but for uh, just for 30 seconds there, I thought, shark food. I am shark food. This is not going to be cool. I can tell you about standing at 14,000 feet next to an equatorial glacier, which mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was such a thing.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: But I was in Indonesia at 14,000 feet, taking fuel samples out of a 3 million gallon fuel tank in, uh, in the largest gold and copper mine in the world and And I'd always kind of wanted to see the world I was you know, but I never thought that it would be from the perspective of a fuel maintenance company, but we get to go to Australia and Indonesia and bomb all over the United States, and
1: that's awesome
2: you know. That's awesome.
1: And you got there after a number of false starts, and we, we didn't even really talk again about, you know, it's just the importance of sticking with things. But here we are. We're at the end of our time, Tori. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish we had so much more time to um, to talk. I, there are, you know, I just know that there are so many more great stories to share. Maybe we'll have you back on sometime, and uh, we'll just uh, share some more of those. Um, anyway, uh, thank you for being with us today. appreciate your time.
2: It is my pleasure.
1: Oh, well, that's perfect. And, uh, you know, folks, again, thank you for listening and being with us. Um, you know, we've got another great show coming up in, you know, next week, so please stay tuned and come on back, and um, you're welcome to send your comments. Uh, you can click through the Voice America site through our page. Um, you can also find, uh, find me through our website, um, Chris Elias Author, if you want to come directly uh to to my website but um, certainly you can click through this station and um, thanks again for listening and look forward to having all of you with us again sometime soon take care
0: thank you for joining chris elias for this week's edition of transformative experts We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.